Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time when we can turn our eyes to you, Lord, and not forget Calvary, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you turn in your, in your Bible now to Matthew chapter 26, verse 39, Matthew 26, verse 39, and he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. This verse is taking place in the Garden of Gethsemane, where the Lord saw a cup, an awful cup, that was given to him by the Father that he should drink in order to accomplish our redemption. And when he saw that cup, what he saw in that cup made him plead with the Father to take the cup away. Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. So the question for us this morning was, what was in that terrible cup? What was in that, cup, that awful cup that terrified his soul? And the only way that he was able to, to bring himself to drink that cup was, and we saw that, was it from John chapter 18, verse 11, John chapter 18, verse 11, where it says, then said Jesus unto Peter, put thy sword into the sheath, the cup which my father hath given me shall I not drink it? He could only drink that awful cup by seeing it as, in John 18, 11, the cup which my Father hath given me. He only took that cup when he saw that it was given to him by the Father. Have you ever wondered what was in that cup? What was in that cup? What was in that cup that made his soul so detest that cup that he pleaded to, have, to, to not have to drink it. The cup contained all the sufferings of the cross. The cup contained all the agonies of the cup. The cup is referred to in Psalm 75.8, Psalm 75.8, for in the hand of the Lord there is a cup, and the wine is red. It is full of mixture 
It's full of mixture. The cup was full of mixture. Mixture of individual elements. Mixture of individual agonies. And each agony was an individual ingredient that made up this mixture. And together, they make up all the agonies of the cross. And there were ten awful ingredients in that mixture, in that cup. And when he saw that mixture of those ten awful ingredients of the agonies that he would suffer, his, he sweat drops of blood. It was so disturbing to him. So the question for us this morning was, what exactly were those ten agonies of the sufferings of the cross that he saw in the mixture of that cup? The first ingredient in the cup was all the pain. The pain from the physical suffering. All the pain of it all. I mean, he was beaten. and And the ultimate beating that the Romans had was the scourging. In the scourging, the whip had incorporated into it pieces of bone, sharp shards of bone, and pieces of metal, all designed to painfully rip and tear skin and muscle right off the back to expose the bone. It was so severe, the the scourging was so severe, that not many people survived it. As a matter of fact, only those of a strong constitution, like the Lord himself, could survive the scourging. It was, it was considered, unknown from experimentation, that 40 stripes was the limit because it was considered that no one could survive more than 40 stripes. And just to make sure that no one ever received more than 40 stripes, they set the limit at 39 stripes just in case there was a miscount. They wanted to make sure that a person never received more than 40 stripes. There was the pain of the nails in the hands and the nails in the feet and the crown of thorns that were pressed into his skull. There was the pain of the concussion from the dropping of the cross into its receptacle, its hole in the ground, that was so severe that it dislocated the bones in the body, which is what he said in Psalm twenty-two, fourteen. Psalm twenty-two, fourteen: all my bones are out of joint. There was the pain of dehydration. There was the the drowning sensation from fluid filling in the lungs. And that cup that he drank was the agony of physical pain. The first awful ingredient in that mixture in the cup was the physical pain of the cross. But the second ingredient in the cup was the agony of anticipation. Anticipation. Now, We don't know this. We don't know what sufferings are in front of us. And I'm thankful, and you are too, that we don't know. It's better. We don't know the the agony of this suffering of anticipation. But that was not the case with the Lord. Because as it was said about the Lord Jesus in John 16.30, John 16.30, now we are sure that thou knowest all things. Because the Lord knew all things, He knew exactly what was going to happen to him next. He knew exactly which agony he was going to suffer next. He knew exactly which suffering he was going to suffer next. He had the agony of anticipation. You know, when Isaac walked up Mount Moriah with his father Abraham, Isaac didn't know 
He didn't know that he was about to suffer as the sacrificial lamb when he asked that innocent question, that beautiful question, the father to the son, intimate question, Genesis 22.7, Genesis 22.7, Isaac spake unto Abraham, his father, and said, my father, and he said, here am I, my son, and he said, behold the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham knew that Isaac was the lamb for the burnt offering, but Isaac didn't know. He didn't know, so Isaac didn't suffer the agony of anticipation. Isaac was carrying the wood that he was going to be sacrificed on. The Lord Jesus Christ was carrying the wood that he was going to be sacrificed on as both of them made their way up that hill. But Isaac didn't know that that was the wood that he was going to be sacrificed on. In that cup, he drank the agony of anticipation. The second awful ingredient in the mixture of that cup was the agony of anticipation. The third ingredient in the mixture in that cup was the agony of being betrayed. And the Lord spoke about how agonizing this was to his spirit when he said in John 13, 21, John 13, 21, when Jesus had thus said he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. Now, we know who that was. That was Judas. That was Judas Iscariot. It's interesting that of all of the disciples there, we have one named Judas. Judas, Judas in Hebrew, Yehuda, or, or it means Judah or Jew. So the meaning of Judas is Jew. So Judas represents the Jews that betrayed him to Pilate, as Pilate said. Pilate said in John 18.35, John 18.35, Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. Oh, the pain of it, the agony of hearing from a Gentile, thine own nation, thy chief, the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. And that cup, he drank the agony of being betrayed by his own people. That was the third awful ingredient in that cup. It was the agony of betrayal by his own people that he came to save. Then, in his last moments on the cross, when he, knew, he who knew no sin was made our sin offering, when he was bearing the extreme burden of the sins of the world, and under that load, he makes this amazing cry to us that just stuns us in Matthew 27, 46, and also in Psalm 27, 1. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Ile, Ile, Lama Sabachthani, which is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? What happened? What happened then? Could the father not look on the sins that he was bearing and the father forsook him? Was he left alone by God in the presence of sin, the sin of the whole world? Was he forsaken to face darkness all alone? You know, we can ask all these questions, but, and, and many other questions as well, but we can't answer them. There's no answer. We will never know what happened when he was forsaken by God. All we know is that he suffered the agony of being forsaken by God. And we know that we shall never suffer what he suffered 
when he was forsaken by God because of his promise in Hebrews 13.5, Hebrews 13.5, he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And that cup was an agony that we will never personally know of being forsaken by God. There is nothing more terrible than being forsaken by God. Everyone in hell today has been forsaken by God. And that cup, he drank the agony of being forsaken by God. That was the fourth awful ingredient in that mixture, and that was the agony of being forsaken by God. Then, when he was arrested in the garden there, and he was with his disciples, we read what happened to his disciples in Mark 14.50, Mark 14.50, and they all forsook him and fled. And there followed him a certain young man having a linen cloth cast about his naked body, and the young men laid hold on him, and he left the linen cloth and fled them from them naked. He saw every one of his loyal disciples run away and desert him during the time when, when of his greatest need. I mean, that was agonizing for the Lord to see his very friends he had poured himself into for the last three years see them all just run away from him, desert him. He's all alone. It, we don't know about, very much about this man. It appears that maybe there was some curious person there. Well, maybe he was the owner of the garden. Maybe it was somebody who said, well, what's all this commotion out? And so he throws some sheet around his body to come out and, and see what's going on. And, and they grab him, and, and he leaves the sheet, and he runs away naked. This is the last person who would have even remotely considered to stood with the Lord. And rather than to stand, he, he leaves his covering and he runs away naked rather than stand with the Lord. That was agony for the Lord to be deserted by all his friends. And that cup, he drank the agony of being deserted by all his friends in his greatest need. That was the fifth awful ingredient in that cup was the agony of being abandoned by all his friends. When he was on the cross... There was a particular agony that he said it just broke his heart. And it's given to us in Psalm 6920. Psalm 6920. Reproach hath broken my heart, and I am full of heaviness. Reproach hath broken my heart. His heart was broken by reproach. What's reproach? It's disgrace, it's shame. It's being made a curse. And this made him full of heaviness. Crucifixion was so carefully designed by the Romans to be the most humiliating, the most terrible punishments that the Romans could give to the worst person. It was never given to a Roman citizen, but it was reserved for the worst, the, the, the worst of the despised Jews, for example. Everything about the crucifixion was thought through carefully to strip a person of all his dignity. Those condemned to be crucified, they had to carry their own cross, like the Lord did. Like a, just, just picture a person on death row having to carry the vial of poison that he's going to be killed with. He, a person is stripped of every dignity. Their clothes are stripped off of them. They're not given to their family or their friends, but to strangers as they're left to die in shameful nakedness. All the curse of it all, the shame of it all, the death by crucifixion on a tree, as the Scripture says in Galatians 3.13, Galatians 3.13, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. You know, it was the tree 
of the knowledge of good and evil that brought the curse on man. As it says in Genesis 3.17, Genesis 3.17, And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat it, eat of it. And so now it must be the tree. It must be the tree of the cross that delivers man from the curse of the first tree. As it goes on to say in Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. In that cup, he drank the agony of shame and disgrace by being made a curse. That was the sixth awful ingredient in that mixture of that cup was the agony of shame and disgrace and curse. Then, when he saw his friends abandon him, we read he did something that you and I would have done as well. And it's recorded for us in Psalm 69.20, Psalm 69.20, where it says further, reproach hath broken my heart, and I am full of heaviness. And I looked for some to take pity, but there was none. And for comforters, but I found none. They gave me also gall for my meat. In my thirst, they gave me vinegar to drink. He looked for someone, anyone, to show pity, just a little pity, to show comfort, just a little comfort in his greatest need, but he didn't find anyone. And that cup, he drank the agony of finding no comforters in his greatest need. That was the seventh awful ingredient in the cup, the agony of finding no comforters. Then the eighth agony that he suffered is when he said in Lamentations 1.12, Lamentations 1.12, is it nothing to you? All you that pass by, behold and see if there be any sorrow like unto my sorrow, which is done unto me, wherewith the Lord hath afflicted me in the day of his fierce anger. From the cross, he looked, he was very sensitive. He, he heard everything, he saw everything, and he was very sensitive. From the cross, he looked and he saw that for the majority of the Jews, of the Jewish people there, his crucifixion was nothing to them. It was, a, it was boring to them. You know, there he was drinking all these ingredients of this awful mixture in the cup of agonies for their redemption. He's there crying out in Luke 23, 34. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And what do they do? They treat him with just total indifference. For them, it's a, so what? For them, it's a, who cares? And that cup that he drank was the agony of being treated with indifference by those he came to save. That was the, uh, the eighth awful ingredient in that mixture of that cup was the agony of indifference. Then the Lord Jesus Christ, why was he here? He was sent by the Father to bring Israel, the Jewish people, back to God. And how did he do? In John 1.11, he came unto his own. That was his mission. I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That was his mission. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. What was his report card? His own received him not. He came to bring the Jewish people back to God. He came to bring, as it says, Jacob back to the Lord. He came to bring the Jews back, and he failed and he expressed the agony of his failure in Isaiah 49.4. 4. 
Isaiah 49.4. Then I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for naught and in vain, though Israel be not gathered. That agony, that agony of failing in his mission to bring Israel back, it really hurt. I know that hurt. Because this Jewish newspaper I've been telling you about, the Long Island Herald, wrote of me and Israel restoration on July 1st. The conversion rate of Cantor's group is a dismal failure. And let me tell you, let me tell you, being a dismal failure hurts. And in that cup that he drank was the agony of facing the failure in his work to save Israel. The ninth awful ingredient in that cup was the agony of feeling like a failure. But then on the cross, we have recorded for us in Matthew 27, 39, Matthew 27, 39, and they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days and save thyself, if thou be the son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and elders said, he saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. The thieves also, which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. His body, the temple, his body, the temple, was destroyed. It was rebuilt in the resurrection. He did save others. He could have saved himself and abandoned redemption. But it was all mocked by passers-by, by chief priests, by scribes, by elders, even thieves. Mockery is a bitter tenth ingredient in this cup mixture. When they said he saved others, that proved they knew that he saved others. But they mocked him for saving others. And that cup, he that, which he drank, was the agony of being mocked. The tenth awful ingredient in that cup was the agony of being mocked. Now, he drank all ten of those awful ingredients in that mixture of the agonies of pain, of anticipation, of betrayal, of being forsaken by God, of being deserted by his friends, of being made a curse, of being comfortless, of being treated with indifference, of the feeling of failure, of being mocked. He drank it all. He drank it all for our redemption. We stand back and we look at that, and what can we say except were the whole realm of nature mine that were a present far too small? Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Let's pray. Father, help us to enter in now to an appreciation of what you suffered when you drank that cup, in Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.com. 
friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Join Tom Cantor, Ray Comfort, Dr. Michael Brown at the Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism and Training Conference happening in San Diego on Friday evening, February 9th and Saturday morning, February 10th at the Creation Museum in Santee, California. Learn from great Bible teachers like radio host Tom Cantor from Friendship with God, as well as world-renowned Jewish evangelist Ray Comfort, radio host Dr. Michael Brown, director of Jews for Jesus Israel Dan Sered, Friends of Israel field director Steve Herzig, Pastor Leo Giovanetti, and many others. Cost for this two-day conference is only $25, which covers all speakers, food, and materials. So register today to hear Tom Cantor, Ray Comfort, Dr. Michael Brown, Jews for Jesus, and Friends of Israel on how we can reach the lost people of America and Israel on February 9th and 10th. Call us at 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or sign up at reachisrael.com, reachisrael.com.